Yo, I'm Craig Yo. I, uh, with my wife, Cleats here, we do Yo books for IDW, and we do classic collections of cool old great comics, uh, mostly pre-code, uh, gems from the golden age, and we do bo- hardback book collections of these things. I hope you check them out. Yobooks.com. That's Y-O-E. Books.com. But especially, this is the podcast you've been waiting for. Listen now. Thank you. See that? We got a little bit of chair action with that. It's the best. <laughs> you uh, did you um, random thought? But are you still playing Elden Ring, or is it over? No, it's not over. We're we're, we're on the precipice of the final battle, and we're doing all the side quests that we let fall by the wayside. We are traipsing through every catacomb. There are 52 of them in the game. And we're making, we're checking off the list of all the, the mini-bosses. We did about 90% of them, uh, all of the above. And now we're just canceling everything before we get to that final battle. Nice. Yeah. Close to 300 hours on the game. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yep. It's ridiculous, man. Um, I paid 60 bucks for it. Like, that is, that's value right there. That is value. Yeah. And this is some value for your ears, my <laughs> beloved people, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 798. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am Tony Schiavone. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're not this Tony. This one's in a seat. Oof, that's a nice butt. You're not Tony Schiavone. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here on a sedate, low-key, kick up our heels and talk about comics, average episode. Last episode was a barn burner. Mm-hmm. This this one is just going to be, you know, the three of us, maybe, and uh, just talking about comics. And the people that make this possible each and every week, sometimes more than once a week, our patrons over at the beautiful patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. They elevate all y'all. And um, we thank them for that. So we give back in a way with uh, daily images uh, complete with historical data. I always forget to rem- remind them of that. We just don't throw images up. We tell them who it is, where it's from when it was published, who published it, like that kind of stuff. And then Some we provenance. get... provenance. Yes. You could have said, I could have said it in one word, but I didn't. And then we give them videos and audio files. Each and every month you'll get an extra four, three hours, whatever, of behind-the-scenes stuff. And best of all, the dedicated Slack channel where we meet each and every day, all day long, and just share ideas, thoughts, feelings, all that stuff, without the padded couch. It's great. It's the best thing in the world. So if you want to take a look at it, go to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. If you like the lay of the land, we will open up a condo for you. A digital condo, not a real one. That Jason's got a lot of money, but he's not buying everybody a condo. 
Here you go. I felt good. This feels good. I'm glad we're back. We are back. Yep, indeed. And, and by the way, it's more I had a lot of money. I don't know that I have a lot of money. Oh, okay. Drink roll call. Elon's not the only one taking it on the chin in the last few weeks. I thought you liked it on the cheek. But anyway. <laughs> a little mushroom. I have a cab that was uh, vented in 2019. I have a funny feeling that Dap drank this a couple episodes ago. I may be wrong, but we're going to see post-haste because I am drinking Bar Dog. <gasps> Is it? Oh, last week. Last week was it? Oh, yeah, okay. I'm drinking. The, on the cover. I got Bar the Dog. Bar Dog yep. Cab. The little 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 pup with the monocle. Yeah. And uh, each and every uh, bottle they donate to local animal rescues across North America. So yeah. I thought, what the heck? It doesn't have one of Jason's bougie numbers on it. But <laughs> they do donate to animal shelters. So yes, textured paper, gold yes. gold leaf for the monocle. It's great. Ah, it's not great. It's good. Mm. It's, it's good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it's a unique cork to add to my collection. Oh, yeah. Get on cork. Should I stick with the trend and finish the entire bottle by the time we're done? Oh, snap. Yeah. I wish I was drinking some Chateau Picard, I'll tell you that much. Yes. I know Dap is sprung because I am in a Star Trek ether, dude. I am just... I am just swimming in all things Star Trek. Well, there's a lot of it in which to swim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But no, I'm not drinking Chateau Picard because, alas, I don't live in the far-flung future. Um, They put it in a different bottle. hmm? I mean, you can. can, It was a joke. They put it in a different bottle. Yes. Uh, So uh, I am drinking some uh, coffee and Mm -hmm. some Gatorade Zero will... The chaser of that. Save a stab. You're our only hope. Well, Vince, since you started it, I will finish it with it. Uh, I went and picked up another bottle of Bar Dog today. <gasps> wow, we have bookends. This have never bookends. ever that happened never before. Happened. Yeah. No, and, and especially by accident like this. I, right. I was, I was drinking um, Auspicious earlier after we got home because I just needed something to get rid of the day. And um, but on my way to the comic sh- after the comic shop. I ran into the uh, liquor store because Renee wanted a rosé, and um, and I figured let me grab another bottle of this, and I opened it just for the episode, and uh, yeah, I am back at it. So nice, yeah, buddy. But uh, but 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 Jason, you there there is a um, there's a Bordeaux. It's a eighty five percent Cabernet, fifty percent Merlot blend. There is a Chateau Picard available. To purchase. So it's, I mean, as a marketing thing for the show type of situation? Yeah, just like when we went to New York that year and they had yeah, like okay. the Shatner whatever. Uh, like the Hellboy Loggers. Like the right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, or or yeah, the yeah. Walking Dead wine. It is. It's, yeah, okay. You know, okay. It, so, it seems, it speak, speaking of, of uh, Bill, have you seen Unexpected on the History Channel? No, I have not. No, Shatner's I, the host? He's a pufferfish. The dude. Oh yeah, no, oh, he's, yeah. Yeah. he looks like he's about to have a stroke every he second. He looks like yeah. he ate Scotty. The uh, <laughs> it's it's um, what's 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 really awkward though is because there's a whole there's a whole movement uh, regarding 
uh, fanfic or slashfic where where people are talking about Spurk, where where it's you know just just shut up and kiss already when it comes to Spock and and Kirk and just like they do with you know Cap and Bucky, it, it, it happens. That's so, been going on since the seventies. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but apparently, I think it's healthy. Uh, Bill thinks that he's calling it. Um, Shatnoy, and and he thinks that they're actually trying to ship him and Leonard, and he's like, "It's disgusting. Please stop. Don't don't do this to my late friend, dear friend Leonard." And it's like, dude, it's not about you. It's Kirk. It's it could exactly. be Kelvin. It could yeah. be, it does. So it's just 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 it's cool and all. I understand. You know, hey, you saw it and you feel some kind of way about it, but it ain't about you. But it, it, it's always amusing to see him on Twitter when he gets worked up. He's time. such a Shatner because it you, one, wouldn't you be uh, approach it like, these people are perpetuating the IP. They're they're actually doing me a favor. They can't get enough. Right, exactly. But no. Enjoy the ride, dude. Yeah, seriously. Let them have their fantasies. It's, it's very, very healthy. Yeah. Speaking of healthy, why don't we talk about some of them there comic books? Mm. That is a healthy escape. I don't want to go first because I have a big bite. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, I just sent you some images, Vince, that you seem to be turned on by, so I will jump in. Nice. Um, this was a really – first, let me prep. This was a very good week. You know, some weeks are – I mean, listen, any any week you get you get to sit down and read some comics is a good week. Let me be clear. But, uh, you know, so, so not all good weeks are created equal. And this was a very good week. I read a lot of really, really great stuff, especially from a visual perspective. Um the visuals are just on point, on and popping this week. Um, and I think no more so uh, for me. And and this was a bit of a surprise. I didn't know what I was getting into here because I bought the book on the premise of the book, not because of the creators. Um, but boy, oh boy, did it hit. Uh, and that is uh, from Clover Press, Project MK Ultra, Sex, Drugs, and the CIA, Volume 1. A graphic novel by Stuart Kenneth Moore, uh, and then subcredit uh, Brandon Beckner and Scott Sampila, and that's because Stuart Kenneth Moore adapted this into graphic novel form from a screenplay that Beckner and Sampila wrote uh, on the subject matter. So, if, uh, if if you all are into uh, any kind of U.S. history, you likely know from the title what this book is about. Uh, Project MK Ultra was a uh, a real life thing, a real actual thing. Um, I'm sure there's been a special or two on it on the History Channel that Vince just mentioned. Uh, it was the CIA's attempt, well, one of their many attempts at at uh, weaponizing um, uh, LSD uh, to uh, to help with mind control, and it it wasn't just one thing. They were looking at LSD and trying to see if it could be used in a ton of different ways as, as a truth serum, as a, as a, a way to, to, to brainwash people, as a way to create Manchurian candidates, uh, you name it. They experimented with LSD on, 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 the, on the matter. And um, while we know all of this to be true, it is the CIA, and uh, you know they are obviously secretive by design, and unfortunately the vast majority of the records involving Project MKUltra were destroyed shredded back in the early 70s shortly after watergate broke um so there really is kind of um only so much uh, unearthing of the truth to be had 
Uh, and, uh, and, and Stuart makes the point here in the beginning that, that this book, this, and this is volume one of two, I should say, uh, is a fictional um, accounting of, of, of like the happenings, but, but the, the, like the key, the key moments are grounded in reality. Like the things they were doing in terms of the kinds of things and experiments the CIA were running are all very real and proven. But but like the narrative behind it and and sort of the cloak and dagger and the adventure and all that 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 runs throughout the book that makes it an interesting read is 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 fictional, right? It's kind of there to to help to help um, punctuate the facts. Um, but this this starts off in a in a fitting prologue, and I never thought I'd own two books that have the same uh, the same like I never thought I'd own two graphic novels about LSD. But um, you know, I I, I gushed uh, what two maybe two three years ago about Bicycle Day, and um, and and the this prologue opens up in the same in those same moments when uh, when the science team at Sandoz in Switzerland accidentally discovers LSD in the early fifties by uh, by accidentally um, having the effects themselves when he's bicycling home from the lab to his house. So he starts off with that as the prologue, but then we jump in and. Uh, a, a, a seedy dude is trying to acquire a bunch of LSD from some dealers and uh, it, it, he gets busted. It's a sting. And, uh, and then there's time shift and we meet a, a journalist, an investigative reporter who comes across this and realizes that this, uh, this big drug bust, the, the person who was arrested got off scot-free, no charges, charges were dropped. Nothing ever came of it. And he thought it was really weird. And so he looks into it, and it turns out that uh, he pieces together that the reason that the guy got off is because the guy that was buying the LSD was working for the government. And again, we do know that uh, the CIA basically was acquiring voluminous amounts of LSD and then making it themselves to uh, to handle these experiments. Uh, and then we he takes us on this incredible journey of looking at some of the experiments. Uh, probably the one that, that, that most notable to me was... Uh, setting up a bunch of prostitutes in San Francisco with LSD to give their Johns. And then the CIA was filming the Johns reactions uh, behind, you know, a double paned window. Uh, and like some of the reactions are just crazy. Like, and, and uh, anytime you're dealing with a subject like LSD, uh, y- you know, it could be a really boring thing uh, unless you have an artist who's capable of, just incredibly exciting and um, um, you know organic and, and and wild illustration. And uh, you probably know Stuart Kenneth more well, Vince. I'm guessing because I guess he's from what I can gather, he spent most of his career. He's Scottish. He spent most of his career as an illustrator for 2008D. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, done a bunch of Judge Dredd covers. He's uh, I see he just did a graphic novel with Pat Mills, so I'm sure that uh, Tony Esmond probably maybe knows him personally. I don't know. Um, so, but he's he's like deeply entrenched in that whole 2008D culture, and, and and most of his collaborative partners have been either in inside of 2008D or or people he worked with through through 2008D into other things. Um, so this is kind of his first, at least that I can tell, first major foray into like an American helmed comic, but uh, my God, is he talented? I mean, this book, it, this one's things where, you know, we're doing an audio podcast, so it's difficult to do it justice, but this book is a visual tour de force. 
Um, and I was reading an, uh, an article about when Moore was was introducing this book when people were interviewing for press when it was during uh, it was being solicited earlier this year, and he really does talk about one of the things he wanted to do was just um, given the subject matter he wanted to have fun and draw in a bunch of styles that he normally doesn't have the opportunity to draw in. So there's uh, like he said the prologue where we learn about the first LSC trip. He said he was directly channeling like as if he was drawing for an EC comic. And, you know, then he said there were periods like with the prostitutes, he wanted to draw like a, like a, like a old, um, you know, like, like, uh, like seventies, uh, indie comic, you know, you like, like, uh, comics type of thing. And then there are panels that are just like straight out of like, you know, just, just pure, like almost pristine line work, poster pop art kind of style. And then there are just in- incredibly psychedelic pages that look like, uh, you know, a, a, like they're straight out of a, a classic, like Doctor Strange comic. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, I, it. He probably channels, I don't know, ten, fifteen different um, drawing styles, but he does it seamlessly because the narrative is shifting. It's, it's different experiments, different periods of time, different people, people's different trips, and how they're reacting to the LSD. And uh, it just all works so well. It was gripping. It. I mean, I read it in a flash of time, and then I went back and took my time and a second time to look over all the, the art again, but, but it was just an absolute wonder. And, um, I, I, I just, one of those things where I bought the book because of the subject matter would lend itself well to a graphic novel, but I just had no idea that it was going to be drawn so incredibly well. And, um, I think we get the second volume in June or July, at least that's the plan. Although I haven't seen a solicit for it. So it's probably going to be more in the fall. I'm guessing now, but uh, my God, it was incredible and uh, and educational too. I mean, if you don't, if if you're unfamiliar with MK Ultra, this is a, a good chance to get a little more familiar with it. It's the Charlie Chan Hop Chi of of mind altering substance comics. That's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah, just because he's all over the place. Uh, I mean, you do they go into the the precedent of the Japanese and the Germans because that's where all this stuff came from. The, the Japanese instigated it, and then the Nazis perpetuated it, and then trickled down. That's where these uh, experiments were. Uh, the inspiration for these experiments came from those two countries. I mean, the, they touch on it, but the focus really more is about this, again, fictionalized journey of this investigative journalist piecing together these experiments and, and, and how they came about and uh, and the like. So Right, right. You don't have to keep muting it's not necessary those are going nuts well i mean colin's got friends come over and they're going nuts oh well if you want to i mean john cage would be happy if you let them yeah, go but yeah. whatever uh but no it, it's i i don't have this um i didn't order it because it was one of the books that that had to make the cut or didn't make the cut to preserve the monthly budget but um it's on my radar, and I will buy it because if there was ever a book that was in my wheelhouse, it's this. It's this one. So. Oh yeah, I mean, this is right up your alley, and and unlike a lot of the conspiracies that you like to relish around, this one actually is real. <sighs> you, uh, why, I caressed and you slapped. How does that work? <laughs> Amazing. Seriously, is my man Leary in here? He has to be. Timothy Leary. No. What? Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see if it passes the litmus test. I will eventually read it. I want it. 
Sounds great. Looks great. There's penises in it. So, I mean, how bad can it be? Oh, yeah. There's 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 lots of different versions of the dong in it. Yeah. And if you would like sure. to see preview images from this book, go to our website, 11oClockComics.com, click on the episode thread. Nestled within the gallery will be visual representations of this book, hand-photographed by Jason Wood. It's true. There you go. Yeah. Sounds great. It, does. it was. Yeah. Shout out to Clover Press, man. That I have to say, yeah. in a, in a in a time when there are uh, well, it's not a new thing, but you know there are a tremendous amount of 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 uh, publishers in the back of previews that have multiple pages of solicits, and uh, I I think even though I do look at every page of previews, uh, especially when we're doing the videos, I it takes a lot for me to to get interested in a new publisher uh, a lot of them just don't appeal to me um but clovers they're making their way in man i i, I gotta say the, the the things i've picked up from them have been pretty great so they're they, uh, they, they could be one on, the, on they could be one one here to stay well they i mean they, they got a good pedigree right i i haven't purchased a clover press book that i didn't love michael t gilbert the wraith um right we the got Kev- the, the- the Eastman, right, the Eastman and Bisley, yeah. Uh, the mm-hmm. Will Eisner Spirit uh, anniversary book, the Pirates Collection. Um, right, that's coming. Looking no, that's out. That. No, but the one we, we we pre-ordered. That's from Clover. Yeah, the Pirates volume. That I got that like months and months and months ago. Yeah. The subscription. Oh no 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 no! Not Terry talking, and the Pirates. That's, yes, I'm talking. About no, the right. the uh, pre-code Pirates Collection, um, by um, our buddy, who did the uh, the uh, horror um, comics. Craig, yeah. yeah, Craig at yeah. Uh, IDW. Yes, They're, they do good stuff. Now I don't blanket order everything they publish. Right. I think the Electric Frankenstein book is a little overpriced for what it is. But, mm-hmm. I mean, everything I've purchased from them has been home run. So, yep. yeah, they have a great track record with me. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. There's nothing better than a book, though, that you try essentially sight unseen on spec and then it pans out. Right. It, there's a danger, though. Oh, the 100%. I yeah. Mean, yeah, no, I, I mean... Th- that's why I say it's great. You're, you're right in the sense that I, and I'm not going to say this happens fairly frequently for me because I do buy a lot of things like this on spec where it just doesn't pan out. But, but that, but I don't, I don't, I don't mind it though. You know, I don't mind as long as it's not, as long as it's not like too many things and you're like, damn, but, uh, cause it's nice to be, it's just nice to be surprised and excited. Right. Yeah. Cause most of the things that we're buying, either we know the characters ridiculously well or the creators ridiculously well, or in most cases, some combination of the two. Um, and that's that, that's great because obviously you have some kind of tracker. I believe you're going to like what you, you're going to like it like it in some some facet. But I but I think uh, in this case, like I said, it was was totally on spec. Didn't didn't really know much about 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 Stewart. So he's a beast, though. But nothing new to any of you uh, UK comic fans. They notice. Does wonder if um, if because Clover is brought to us by 
Ted Adams and, and Robbie Robbins, who were both involved at the start of IDW. And part of me wonders if maybe us seeing what's been happening, and, and this is all speculation on my part, mm-hmm. as far as IDW no longer being towards the front of the catalog and now just, you know, back there with, with Titan and Rebellion yeah, and everybody hurts, else. hurts my heart. It does. It really it does. My heart. Yeah. And and I, I do wonder if, you know, if, if some of this is just after effect of, of the the people going their separate ways doing other things and, and uh, unfortunately maybe IDW is um, feeling the brunt of that. But, I mean, we're going to get good books regardless it, it, i like to think no matter who, who puts them out we'll still be able to find the books but it does it it is a bit of a bummer when you know you have a company publisher that you've been enjoying for so long and um like that captain action that was offered and then canceled but apparently another distributor is going to carry it and i got an email from dcbs saying that you know i i could still get it but it's it's weird. I mean, the whole thing, the whole chain and, and everything is just is, is weird right now. So yeah, we're there, still... There's another publishing uh, outlet with which IDW has ties. Somewhat clandestinely. I mean, I didn't know what... I, and, and forgive me for not knowing the name of the publisher. It would have been even better if I did. But I did a little bit of research. And I'm like, I don't know this publisher. Let me take some take a look into it. And there were ties to IDW. So there are various... Um, invisible arms of IDW out there, right? Um, and l- look at the stuff Chris uh, Reels doing with Ashley Wood over at Image. At Image, yeah. So I mean, yeah. he's got his fingers in a lot of different. Um, or even I think there's a Sam Keith book. Yeah, things that were published previously to IDW right. are now being reprinted or republished. Yeah, the Hollows Image is and... going to be reprinted right. at Image. Yeah, it, it's just hey, um, any way you can you can keep rolling. Do it, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to try not to gush too much over this book. Yeah, okay. It's, yeah. But um, it, it's one of those books that it, it's just very special to me. And um, written and illustrated by the great, and I don't mind saying that because I think it's 100% true, Roy Crane and company. Um, it's edited by Rick Norwood. That name should ring a bell if you pay attention to what I talk about on this show because Rick is the editor of the awesome comics review from his uh, manuscript press company. The book is published by Fanagraphics. It's Buzz Sawyer, Volume 2, Sultry's Tiger. I've talked about Buzz Sawyer before. I know... But um, this is uh, a big old heap and hunk of Buzz Sawyer. These are strips that originally ran from 1945 to 1947. And there's a massive uh, and highly informative uh, intro by Rick Norwood and Jeet here, which details uh, a lot of historical data on Roy Crane and the strip and Crane's assistance and the um, the way newspaper editors and publishers maligned the the comic strip. Um, see, see, there's a problem because Buzz Sawyer. Now, now take note of the years in which these were published: forty-five to forty-seven. Um, 
Buzz Sawyer was a strip that was built on the war. He was a Navy pilot, right? It started as a wartime strip. So, so with this volume, Crane was in a bit of a pickle. Um, so you get your title characters and Navy pilot. And the bulk of the strip detailed Buzz's adventures in the Pacific. So now the war's over, and Crane had to devise a way to keep those readers, you know, retain reader interest. Uh, it's a transitional volume. Um, and and it's, it's a showcase of Crane's, I think, brilliant efforts to do just that, to keep reader involvement very high. Uh, so Buzz is a pilot, and he loves to fly, and his dream is to land a job with International Airways. And he does. Not for long. Um, more about that in a couple minutes. But the International Airways job leads to one that's even bigger and better and, most importantly, conducive to the kind of stories that Crane was telling during wartime. Buzz becomes a globe-hopping um, adventurer. And that's the stuff that people expected from the strip, right? Um, he becomes a problem solver for Frontier Oil. And he goes all around the world protecting frontier oil interests, uh, which leads to exotic locales and intrigue aplenty, right? So uh, the the, the uh, introductory material is just amazing. And I'm not going to go too deep into the strip because, I'll, you know, it's something that you should experience for yourself. And th there's... It, it's awesome, but if I go bit by bit by bit, you're going to be like, this is the most... I won't do it. Um, it because this volume is there's a lot of of uh, romantic angles in here. There's a number of women um, who v for uh, Buzz's attention, and Dap. I, I one of the things that just dawned on me as I was reading this this volume was that there is a lot of Buzz Sawyer in Lester Girls. And Dap knows I'm talking about Will Jacobs and Gerard Jones is the trouble with girls. Yep. Uh, but without all the bawdiness and bathroom humor of uh, trouble with girls. But the, 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 the crux of the biscuit is the same. You got a, 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 a burly he-man adventurer who has attracted a lot of women. They all want a piece of them. And that's kind of what this volume, it, it, the, the majority of this volume entails just that women's attempts to get buzz all of which he has history with so um but back to the introduction see uh crane did not produce buzz sawyer on his own like a lot of comic strip artists to avoid creative and you know, physical burnout he employed a number of assistants on both the writing and the art. So on the writing side, Crane collaborated very successfully and most importantly, harmoniously with a man named Ed Granberry. Uh, those who are um, aficionados of the strip, there's really no delineation where Crane ends and Granberry begins. Like they were so simpatico and so like-minded in their approach to storytelling that you really can't tell where 
you know, where one ends and one begins. The same can't be said for his art assistant, one of his art assistants, uh, a man named Henry Schlensker. Crane was a perfectionist and would constantly nitpick Schlensker's work. And the artist took it well until he didn't. And, and he would frequently blow up and they'd butt heads uh, and Crane would would talk smack behind Schlench, Schlenchker's back and Schlenchker would talk smack about Crane behind his back, writing letters to the head of the syndicate. And, and, and you know, it, it was just, th- th- there was unrest between these two gentlemen. Uh, Schlenchker's really good, but, you know, he's no Crane. I mean, come on, there's, there's very few artists that can... Um, claim the mantle of achievements that uh, that Crane has. And Crane's awesome, right? Uh, all of this is detailed in the introduction, and it's very valuable in information. Uh, also in the introduction, Norwood and here, they get into the ways the newspapers maliciously mangled the strips. And, and then, like, this kind of stuff is unknown to most to the average reader, for all intents and purposes, you know, you turn to the comics page, you read them, okay, these are great, and done, the average reader. But those that are fans of this kind of stuff, they know that newspapers considered the strips like a necessary evil at best. Um, yeah, the strips had their fans, but if the papers could sell an ad on the same page as the comics, they would, and and especially the Sunday strips. Um they would sacrifice space in order to make room for the ad, which they saw as preeminent. Like, we're going to make money. we got to sell that space. The comics, eh, whatever. People like them, but let, let's... What they would do is they would reduce the comics in size, or they'd, they'd shuffle them around, or even worse, especially in the Sunday pages, they would remove panels. And it got to the point where... The creators would design their their strips that a couple panels could be removed to facilitate the newspaper's you know shenanigans, um, and and it just blew my mind. The daily strip, which is a long horizontal, right? The bottom quarter inch of the strips were often lopped off to make more room on the page for advertisements, and I'm like, you bastards. Like, I knew that you know, newspapers were not kind to the comic strips, but uh, I didn't know that they would trim an entire quarter inch off strips in some cases, which destroys the composition. Like, you, you have a master illustrator like Crane doing his stuff and making sure this panel is perfect to his very, very high standards. And then you have uh, somebody who j- is just, you know, stripping stuff and pasting it up on a board and they just lop off the bottom quarter inch just to make room for an ad like that. That's sacrilege to me. All of that, again, detailed in the introduction. It, it's a must read. If you're a fan of, of comics or newspaper strips or just the way the history of the whole medium or, or, or this very important strip, which is Buzz Sawyer, I get this book just through the introduction. It's about 10 pages long, well worth the read, well worth the price of the book. But anyway... So, um, what goes on in this book? It, the, the, the opening page, pages are kind of sobering because it's a story that you've heard many, many times. Um, Buzz returns from the war, World War II, comes back to Willow Springs, 
and he finds that things have drastically changed in his absence. You know, these guys come back from war, and in Buzz's case, he has multiple decorations. He's a war hero. He's the guy. But when he comes back, he's not the guy anymore. He's just a guy. And he's, he has a difficult time finding a job, like many. Um, John Rambo. Yeah, an amazing pilot. But pilots were a dime a dozen after the war. And they weren't looking for hot shots. They were looking for reliable, cautious, um, you know, mundane, I guess you could say, pilots. That's not Buzz. Buzz is a hot dog. And um, there are many times that he broke regulations in order to, to save his, his fellow soldiers or put himself in danger to to make sure that the good guys came out on top. And that's not what, you know, the airway, the airlines want. They, they want, you know, stable. They want stability. Um, so in, in addition to, you know, not being able to find a job, he finds that the world has moved on. Um, his one-time fiance, Tot Winter, is engaged to an opera singer. I love this name. Dude's name is Count Franco Confetti. <laughs> and he's he's a pompous ass, as you would expect. Um, another fee, another sweetheart, Christy Jameson, is has attended college out of state, and she's deep in the dating life. So people around town either don't remember Buzz or they didn't realize he'd been gone. Like life goes on, you know. You went off to war, and it was an experience for you and changed the course of your life forever. But back at home, you know. This is our day-to-day, and it's rough, right? Uh, so, again, this, this volume, all the ladies want a piece of buzz. A large part of this volume, um, Tot Winter loves him. She just inherited a million dollars, which in '45 was a lot of money. Her father died, left her a shit ton of money. Um, uh, but even though she's engaged to this Count Confetti, dude, uh, she still loves Buzz, right? She he, she always has loved Buzz. And and Christy Jameson wants him. Um, there's a woman named Sultry, the Maharaja of Batu, who this is uh, another woman Buzz has history with. She saved his life in the Pacific during the war. And that's another way that Crane bridges the gap between the war stories and the peacetime stories. This woman is... is from that period and he pulls her into the present um she still loves buzz she's got a pet tiger named taboo um that adds a bit of comic relief but uh also makes things very very different difficult for a number of characters i'm not going to spoil the surprise but the end of the first story is shocking that's all caps shocking entirely unexpected i've never encountered something like this in a comic strip very unconventional storytelling. Um, Crane even changes the physical format of the strip. Uh, you know, daily strips were long horizontals. The the denouement of this incident or this care—I don't want to say that. Um, something very very bad happens, and he changes it from a long horizontal to a long vertical, which must have pissed off the layout guys to no end. Um, 
just to facilitate the shock of the event. And it's super shocking. So I'm not going to reveal it. But again, like I said, I've never seen something like this in uh, a, a daily comic strip. It's it's that over the top. And just it happens. And then like the soldiers coming back from war, the world moves on. And I'm like, what? You just spent 30 well, the equivalent of 30 pages, and there's like one, two, there's like five, four or five strips per page, so do the math. A lot of months laying out this story, and then this happens, and everything changes. It, it's crazy unbelievable what he does. It's great, by the way. Um, but if you're, if you're a Buzzhead like myself, you know who Buzz ends up with. One of these women he marries. I won't say if you're not that deep into the strip, but he does marry one of these women and they have a, a son and the strip they have children and the strip continues but it it's awesome to be able to experience the foundation of their relationship that's detailed in this volume um but it's not all romantic escapades um buzz buzz has to find a rogue nazi this baron von schlingel the the guy has holed up somewhere in greenland and he's he's taking shots at planes. He's trying to shoot down International Airways assets. So they send him up there and he's got to find Baron von Schlingel and stop him. And of course, Baron von Schlingel has a female accomplice that's gorgeous. And, you know, the story kind of writes itself almost. Um, there's an adventure in South America where Buzz is on the trail of a playboy that mysteriously disappeared and there's murder and mayan treasure there's a jungle adventure tons of beautiful women gunplay and buzz's pals chili and sweeney are are omnipresent through the entire volume uh buzz sawyer is near perfect comics i know perfection is a is a goal that can never be reached but if there was such a thing as perfection, Buzz Sawyer comes damn close. Uh, I, I just adore Roy Crane's work, and I love Buzz Sawyer. And this volume, it's it's a pretty hefty volume, like 200 and, I don't know, 25 pages, hardcover, square format. It, it's just, you know, I got to genuflect at the Fantagraphics altar because they keep stuff like this alive. And Rick Norwood. In Comics Review, there's a steady dose of Buzz Sawyer in every issue of Comics Review, which is another reason why I love it so much. So um, if, if you uh, are inexperienced in the, the magic of the, the great newspaper strips, I suggest you pick up Buzz Sawyer. Uh, you can start with Volume 1, because then you'll know where all this came from. But if you don't have Volume 1, it doesn't matter. Because a lot of the backstory is detailed for you. It's, you don't really need to know much. Buzz is a decorated war hero, comes home from the war. Boom. That's all you need. Um, it's just magnificent stuff. Again, master of the duo shade uh, or craft tint paper, whatever you want to call it. Uh, some of the textures that Roy gets are just impeccable and amazing. Especially when he's detailing the, the undulation of the sea. Man, he was a master at that. So... Uh, this is 40 bucks i think the volume is let me check it's 35 dollars. sorry but it's it's well worth every freaking penny buzz sawyer volume 2 sultry's tiger
How many volumes are there going to be? Do you know? There are four currently, uh, and the uh, ability to procure them increases exponentially. Uh, One and two are pretty easy to get. Three is kind of tough. Four is very hard to get. Um, The idiots on eBay are asking a lot of money for um, three and four because I guess they're out of print. But that could change. Fantagraphics always goes back to print on the classic stuff. So you just wait long enough and it comes back. But, I mean, I paid retail for this book because I wanted it. I paid, you know, 40 bucks. Um, And I don't think that was overpriced. Uh, The material is that good that, um, you know, it's like the top shelf liquor. You pay for what you get. Right. Yeah. A little disappointed it's not about... uh Professional wrestler Buzz Sawyer, but that's with two Z's. Lols. Yeah, Buzz is only one. Oh, and get this. He, th- there's a plane crash. Somewhere along the, the storytelling, there's a, the, Buzz's plane crashes. And he bashes his face off the instrument panel and breaks his nose. His nose stays broken. Or it, it stays the, the, the way it was. Re- the resulting... Injury. Deformation of his nose right. stays that way forever. Love it. And you can look at his nose in volume one and half of volume two, and you're like, okay, that's a normal nose. Once he breaks it, that's it. It stays that way forever. It's that's ama- awesome. That's amazing. I, I love. love I love shit like that. Yeah. And there's Sunday pages in this. Uh, uh, the thing with uh, Buzz Sawyer, Crane didn't want to rehash stuff from the dailies and the sundays so for the most part the sundays were different storylines than the dailies oh okay but in this volume the sundays coincide with the daily so they're continuations of the story it's the only time he ever did it and they're in this volume and they're in color just get it just get it yeah i mean Calvin and Hobbes or Bloom County, they would have the weekly strips, the daily strips that would just, you know, there'd probably be one long story with a punchline on Friday, and then Sunday you'd get your, uh, you're done in one. But um, the strips like, uh, well, like like this one, or even um, Amazing Spider-Man, they would, it would be every every installment would just continue the story regardless of the day of the week yeah um some papers only carried the sunday strips they didn't carry a daily of a certain strip and they they decided to carry the sunday or vice versa they didn't carry the sunday and carried the daily so the yeah. the creators had to be especially aware of of either repeating things in the sunday or or just creating new stories for the sunday because the the the, synd- the papers would pick and choose what they wanted to run I, I attempted to go down the rabbit hole of syndication and newspapers and 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 the syndicates and and years ago when when the Museum of Cartoon Art was in Rye um, and I would go and I just I was so into newspaper strips it was like I just lived and slept yep. and breathed it and I. I was just I was fascinated by how one newspaper would have certain strips, another newspaper would have some, 
yep. of those same strips and then completely different strips. I'd go to my grandparents' house, I'd see strips I'd never seen before, and it's just it it just blew my mind and I loved it and I, I, I attempted to just try to piece it all together and just it is that red string across the whole oh my god, I it, I I it just it was too much, but I, I would love to just invest the time and 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 learn about the history of the syndicates. Yeah. Strips are comics too. You know, yes. uh, they they get a little bit of a of a of a secondhand status by by the diehard comic fans. But I mean, if you're a fan of comics, still sequential art, man. Strips, strips, and in, in most cases, strips are as good or better than the best things you've ever read from. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, yeah. Favorite strip, all time. I think we know Jason's. Oh, we definitely know Jason's. Well, I mean, we did an episode on this. We did our yeah, we five did. favorite strips of all time. Yeah. Yes, we did. Mind is fluid. Right now, it's it's um, Steve Canyon. Yeah, I mean, I, my 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 top three tend to be the same, but I, the 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 four and five can maybe fluctuate from time to time. That's cool. But... Yeah, yeah. But a uh, bottom line, it, again, if uh, I think comics review is a relatively inexpensive way to investigate the strips, if if you're uh, like Jason with computers, you're a noob, you know. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Check out Comics Review. It's it's twenty bucks, but you can get it for like fifteen at at uh, other places. It, it's well worth the investment. Squarebound, great, great, great stuff. And for those playing at home, uh, you can go back and listen to episode six hundred and eleven from Holy June, crap. June yeah. of two thousand nineteen. In this Patreon sponsored theme episode, we delve into newspaper comics. Our discussion culminating in our choices for. Top five favorite strips. Wow, four four times. That's awesome. So there you go. Yeah. And Calvin and Hobbes is mine. If you're wondering. Oh, duh. I, nobody yeah. was wondering. Yeah, nobody. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. There, <laughs> there are people in China like that's no, not a surprise. There are kids in the womb who are just like. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm shocked. Kids in the womb. Yeah. Uh, so, um, friend of the show. Uh, all around great guy, fantastic artist, uh, past guest. Ibrahim Mustafa uh, has a new graphic novel. Um, he, of course, did the count. Uh, this is called Retroactive, and this was absolutely right up my alley. I never mind the fact that, you know, our dude wrote and drew it, and, and that was a selling point. But um, there is there, there's a bit of... Um, well, not a bit. It, time travel is involved. Uh, there's kind of a uh, a looper like feel for for fans of that movie, uh, and basically the story is about uh, Tarek, who works for the um, Bureau of uh, Temporal Affairs. Um, Tarek uh, Abdel Nasser, and he. Um, we, we the reader, as you get with uh, with some time travel stories, is things um, uh, when you there've been stories where as soon as I mean there was a Rick and Morty episode also, but basically it's like a reset. You 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 die. You don't fulfill the mission. You go back to the starting point. And and I know there've been stories about that. There's there was a. Uh, First season of 
I think it was first season of Discovery, where Star Trek Discovery, where Harry Mudd infiltrated the ship, and um, and he kept manipulating time to get further into the ship to work to um, basically steal it. Uh, and every time the ship blew up, it would reset back to a certain point, and eventually, especially because of the people on the ship, uh, they knew something was amiss, that, 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 that someone was manipulating time, they, they, there was the feeling of deja vu. Um, but as far as this particular story, uh, I, I'm not going to spoil it, and it, it's, it's, it's going to sound... Um, it's not going to sound convoluted. And what's great is Abraham actually has a map in the back matter, letting you know, you know, exactly where, because things could get a little confusing if you don't pay attention. Uh, when, um, when Rick goes back to a certain point or when he sees something that kind of like in the movie Memento, he sees something that we weren't witness to yet, but we'll find out about it later on. Little things like that. And, and it's done really, really well in this book. So, so kudos to the man for actually able to, uh, maintain a consistency with, with the story, um, as well as mixing an action and a little bit of a mystery. Uh, but there is, there, there is a timeline. There's a line right that there's a graphic that he has in the back of the book where, you know, you see exactly where you are at certain points and where things kind of loop back around and, and it's done really, really well. Um, but the whole, um, there are there are moments here where you it, it, and because it is you know just a single graphic novel um, you may not get a chance as in some stories to to really get a feel for the characters or understand whatever um, whatever they're dealing with what's going on in their lives aside from just the action in the story uh, but that he doesn't fail here. Um, no, Rick's got some personal things going on. He's got a mom in a home who, who's who's dealing with dementia, which ironic considering, you know, he gets to mess around with time and here's somebody who's um, facing the effects from, you know, the time she has left that she can't remember things from the past. Uh, he's got a new partner who, um, she, he, he does some things that aren't necessarily by the book. And of course, because she's new, she wants to make sure all the, uh, eyes are dotted and, and T's are crossed and, and if he kind of goes off and and plays Lone Gunman, you know, she's, uh, which could be a pun because maybe there's an event that happens in Dallas in this book, but he, uh, he, he, you know, so, so she's really not trusting this guy who she's supposed to be looking up to and, and listening to, taking orders from. Uh, but I just... As as it's progressing and 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 there are little things, there are little tricks where uh, you know because as you go through time and um, depending on where you end up or what's going on or how often you be be reset, um, there are these little devices, mnemonic devices or, or memory games you have to play with yourself to make sure you know kind of like in uh, Inception with the tokens and or the totems and and you have to kind of just ground yourself and and make sure you know you're back in um which whichever in your reality uh this was just a really really well done book i um as much as i enjoyed count this blew me away and, and i know he's got another book coming out which i can't wait to read but uh this was just this was really really good the art as we know from 
from past work um, is is phenomenal. The panels are packed, backgrounds are there. the The tech is really cool. Uh, I'm just really, really impressed with how well thought out everything from um, from you know, the weapons, the vehicles, the 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 outfits. Uh, it's for the most part, it's you know, it's set in the future and in, in, in the late 2040s or 2050s, and uh, it, there aren't so many things that are super futuristic. Things that are, you know, it's not like we've got jetpacks and things like that. There are some things where uh, the the tech seems to be based in um, in reality for the most part. Uh, very diverse cast of characters uh working for the bureau and um the the mystery at the end really kind of just threw me for a loop and um obviously because of Rick's nationality there are uh there are some present day uh and near past racial tensions that uh unfortunately are seem to be ever present and and now play into it but i i really really um i really enjoyed it a lot if, if you get a chance i absolutely recommend it um and again it's it's colored by uh by brad simpson uh letters by uh hassan what's uh i'm going to not even going to try um so he uh he's it's 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 a very very good group of people working on uh, working on this book, and and is an introduction by Phil Hester. So what's not to love there? It's um, and it even starts off kind of like a uh, a movie because it's it takes place in we, we start off right in um, right in uh, Nazi occupied France, nineteen forty, and uh, and Tariq and his partner are uh, or Tariq and his partner are there to stop someone from killing Hitler. And that's where we get into the whole um, responsibility of being a temporal agent. And, you know, you can't, things that have happened, you can't go back and change them. These are like fixed points and and you can't, you can't change that because you don't know the butterflies and and, and how it's going to ripple out and what else it will affect. So you have the, the agencies basically there to make sure that other people don't go back in time and make things worse. It, it, it's, we are where we are, but you know, and yeah, things could have changed, but you don't know what, what offshoot could have happened from there. And we don't really get any alternate realities in that regard. Everything that we've, we've known, um, or we've witnessed or history has witnessed stands, but, um, there it's 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 extremely tempting when you have that power to make these changes and uh and then whether or not somebody's going to be there then to keep making changes or to make sure that you know just whoever the next hitler might be and then that person needs to be stopped and it's it it could be a headache and and it's a non-stop battle so you just kind of have to keep things where they belong um so it and and so when you get that opening scene in France trying to stop this one guy and the action there. And then when, uh, very cinematic where that case is, uh, is resolved and you get the title page and then you kind of get caught up to speed on, on the present day and, and see, uh, see what other adventures they're getting into. But, but retroactive was, uh, was a hell of a lot of fun. I had, I had pretty high expectations only because of the work I know, Abraham can do, and um, and he, and he did not disappoint. I, I I really really think um, 
retroactive. It's, it's a book I'm probably going to, uh, not probably, I'm going to revisit from time to time just because I dig the art and I, it, it's one of those things where I'll probably pick something else up, see something new that I missed maybe the first time um, when I revisit it. So I, I definitely recommend checking it out. That's great. You know, I, it's, <laughs> I, I was like wondering if I inadvertently like upset him or something because, you know, obviously we had him on for the count and I thought he would reach out, you know, and see about maybe coming on for this one and never heard from him. So I, I hope, I hope we didn't, we're not in his doghouse. No, no, we're not because he actually, um, he, he sent me a, uh, a Dropbox link to it. And I'm like, dude. And I, I was like, no, I, mean, dude, I don't, I don't need that. It, it's coming in my next box. We're good. And, and, uh, so he, um, but he, he he hit me up on Twitter and says you're you're basically a ghost on here. You probably didn't uh, reach out to you there, but um, but when the next book is ready, uh, or or I know it's been I ordered it. I know it's been solicited. I don't know if it's in the next box, but um, but we'll definitely get him back on because I I, I do want to talk about this and probably after I read the next one. Um, but I'd, I'd I'd like to have him back on just to pick his brain on some of the things that happened in this book. He, he doesn't he doesn't know when it's his turn. He just hasn't 700 What do you mean it's my, wait, 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 wait. We are not formulaic. I, like oh, we, are not, we are not. We, we kind of like, we kind of are. No, we bit. don't. We don't have a, oh you go, The opening you go, and the, in, the opening and the ending maybe, but yeah, yeah, when it comes time to it's like whoever whenever it is a dead spot someone will jump in. But. All right. Well, here I'll I'll, oh, I'll pick see, now, No, I'll like, pick oh. up the volleyball and I'll I'll just Jason uh, any X books that you've read recently oh, nah. y- you liked? Oh, you had to put that qualifier on, huh? I did. Oh, um, yeah. There, there definitely was one. Uh, uh, excellent number two and three. Whoa, whoa, by whoa! Peter Milligan, who we've been giving a lot of love to this year, and Mike and Laura Allred. Uh, this are the second and third issue of. Their latest dalliance into the X Force begat X Statics, which is now excellent. Um, just like I said with the first issue, uh, I adore this, but I am conscious, speaking about it on a reasonably popular comics podcast, that uh, it is a niche thing. Um, it assumes you have deep love for and recall of everything that came in the X Statics run. Like, it doesn't. You know, this isn't like it's the same characters in the same continuity, and we don't see these characters ever in Marvel other than when these guys are are doing these books. So, um, and it's the same themes that they were playing up twenty years ago, only magnified now because when they were doing Ecstatics, the idea of the um the omni celebrity, the reality celebrity star, always searching for fame, was novel and and we were mindful of that there was a cohort of people out there like that i mean now it seems standard fare right like so much of the populace is constantly trying to gain some kind of uh, engagement notoriety through everything they do whether it be podcasts or tiktok or youtube or whatever um and this is just more of more of that it's 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 the it's the surviving members of ecstatics 
being brought back into the limelight by a group of young upstarts, some of which have deep rooted connections to the old group. Um, and it's, uh, both a mutant action book as well as a absolutely biting and acerbic satire of, of our cult of personality that, that pervades a lot of our culture. And, uh, all red is as good as always. I don't know that all red's ever not been great. Um, like his level of consistency is just astounding. Uh, and I'm loving it, but I have to say like, it, it is not, if, if, if you're just looking to pick up a book, uh, out of curiosity or because maybe you're an all red fan, like it is impenetrable. If you don't remember everything that came before it. Interesting. So, interesting. Yeah. Yes. But uh, that's uh, not the one. That I was talking about. Oh, it's not the one that were you talking about. I I was talking about Legion of X, number one. Oh, who wrote that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Cy Spurrier wrote it. And who drew it? Uh, Wait a minute until I bring it up here. (laughs) Jeez. I didn't know if you were going to just totally ignore it or... or, um, It it, it was written, again, by uh, Cy Spurrier with... um, Art by, I'm going to screw up this name like I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Basaldua. Is it Jan Basaldua or is it Jan Basaldua? Oh, uh, I thought it was Oscar. No, it says in the no. credits it's it's either Jan Wait a minute, or Jan. so did Oscar become Jan? I don't know, but that's cool. Because this is the same artist for sure because I've been a fan for a long time. Well, then it is Jan. Uh, no, I'm saying so. Like, um, but I'm saying it used to be Oscar. Is my point neat? Uh, with art, uh, color art by Federico Bli. So uh, detail for me. Your thoughts on this issue? You have an uncanny, no pun intended, ability of trying X books that don't connect with me. Oh, I don't know how you do it. Stop. You, you, the one with the the Bob Q one that you guys even you think you guys had Bob yeah, on Way of yeah. X, yeah. Um, I, like you, you guys seem to gravitate towards these books that, that I'm like, oh, it was all right. Like, right. like I don't know what it is, and then all the ones that I read all the time and love, you're like, like, like you don't read them. I don't know. Um, I know why you were interested in this book because it's it's this is it's Nightcrawler centric. Uh, he's yeah, on. that's yeah. one of the reasons. Yes, yes. Well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, I, I think Basso Dua's art is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that alone makes it worth uh, um, As regarding um, Janeth, uh, assigned male at birth, came out as a trans woman in October of 2020. My, there we go. My woman. There we go. Oh, respect. Yeah. Uh, the pronouns are, are, are she or, or is it they? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be she. Okay. Well, you, props. I, like I said, I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't cracking up because I, I, I've, I've read many, many comics, including a lot of X books by the former Oscar Basildua. So apologies. I, I didn't. I saw Basildua on the cover and 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 hadn't realized that uh, that it was now Jan. But 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 cool. Um, well, Jan's work, her work is is, is stunning uh, and 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 lo- looks great. Um, this is. The premise is loosely that Nightcrawler is the chief of police of Krakoa, and he's got a 
a quirky team that he puts into looking into different events. And it's a tricky thing because there really aren't too many laws in Krakoa. There, there are basically three tenants which have been established since the beginning from the Hickman uh, launch, which is um, make more mutants, murder no man, and respect the sacred land. And um, But as, as they have grown and evolved and become a nation state and have continued to resurrect mutants, they, they resurrect mutants that, that are morally ambiguous, mutants that are self-centered, mutants that are tending to be uh, volatile or mentally ill or even just right downright evil so um it is it is one of those things where their premises everyone is welcome here and gets another lease on life quite literally so with that there's there's complications there are things that need to be investigated or dealt with and um nightcrawler has been put to the task and we're introduced to that concept in this book and um it sets the groundwork for a couple of other things too. Legion is they've, this is the, I guess this is where they're going to park Legion for a while. Um, he, he, part of, of this is that Nightcrawler has created a place where his crew hang out and, and set up their investigations inside of Legion's mind, basically. <laughs> um, which is an interesting concept for sure. It's awesome. Um, also, one of the cases they're investigating brings Nightcrawler uh, to uh, Mars, to Arako, um, which, uh, as people that are reading the books know this already, but if you're not, uh, Storm is the regent there. She's the leader of Arako, but it is a thankless job. I don't know why on Earth anyone, well, I guess she's not on Earth, would want to do the job because essentially it's just people challenging her for her top spot every single moment of her existence uh, and having to defeat them. But uh, I guess someone has to do it. And um, so he's brought there to deal with something. Um, we meet some characters new and some characters old. Uh, probably the the um, most interesting is uh, Zabi, a.k.a. Forget-Me-Not, who is uh, his mutant power is basically that no one ever remembers anything about him. So um, as he's talking to somebody, like within a minute, they're like, wait, who are you? Why are you asking me that? Or... Yeah. Uh, and his partner is the juggernaut. And, uh, you know, there are some funny moments with that. Like, like the juggernaut comes in and saves his ass during a, an investigation. And then after the dust settles and they're cleaning up, the juggernaut looks and goes, who the hell are you? You know, like he doesn't <laughs> remember his own partner. Um, so that was cool. I mean, there were some cool things in this book, I, but, but I was, but it, it, I guess I thought it was a lot of ideas thrown together and not with the delicacy or nuance that, like the Hickman books had. And so I worry that it's going to feel untethered is my, is my fear of this one. This book, but you loved it. So that's good. So speak on it. No, I loved it a lot. This book actually forced me to change, to alter, uh, the way I read. And, uh, because it's a colossal info dump. There's a, yes. a lot of stuff going on yeah. in this issue. Um, and the, the pace is breakneck. So if you're not paying attention or, or you're, you're not entirely focused on what the characters are doing or what they're saying, a lot of the concepts, and there are many, that Spurrier drops in this issue are going to fall by the wayside. And I think 
Um, I read it once, and I, I, I need to read it again because I'm sure there are things that I didn't uh, pick up. I think um, this this character, um, Zen, is it pronounced? Z-S-E-N, this, this female, uh, apparently female by the looks of her. I love this character, but in particular, I love her interaction with Kurt because she's like, you're very pretty. We should fuck. And I'm just like, okay, I like this girl. Uh, I like this this woman a lot. Um, and uh, she's unhinged because they're just traipsing through uh, Krakoa and Arako and uh, they're going to different spots. And, you know, they're, they're just talking, conversational tone. And she suddenly just takes a swing at him. Like out of the tomb, she she hits him, uh, and Kurt's Kurt, so he deflects the blow. But uh, it was probably a test, as well as um, you know her her person, uh, an example of her personality. But uh, I just think the the interplay between these two characters is what's going to drive it for me. There's a lot of commentary on religion and worship, um, which really uh, pulled me in because they. Um, the uh, what is the name of the the denizens of Araco, the original denizens? Jason, is he is he not here? I'm here. I'm I'm. Sorry. What do you mean the original denizens? The the the, the, the the big eye. She's one of the uh, the floating eye. Is a member of the 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 the, the, the group that was there that they pulled. The the, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, they're they're Ara- They're from. Yeah. Right. I thought that maybe they had a, a another name, but uh, yeah. So they 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 pulled the 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 people and they saved them, but in another sense, they they threw them into boiling water because uh, subjugated people are now have to find their way, and they have this arena, and you cannot decline an invitation to the arena. You have to fight it, and if you f- don't, you die. And what they do is they summon they're summoning gods into the arena because. They don't think that the gods are worthy of their worship, and they test them. And that concept is awesome. Thinking that a, a, a an organism decides that our worship is worth more than your stature in in the godhood pantheon of gods, you need to prove that you're worthy of our attention. And that's great. And this, unfortunately, the god that they summoned was was not worthy. <laughs> and uh, uh, he's uh, he's squelched. Let's just say I just think this issue is great. But if, if you look at the the precepts of the the Krakowans, like um, uh, murder uh, no no man and make more mutants and respect this sacred land, but the one that gets me is the spark. Try new things, and that's exactly what this book is doing. This book is going places that I haven't encountered in an X book in a good while. I think it's 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 trying, uh, it's traipsing new ground. It's trying new things. I, this book is great. What's not to love? It's a bit of a curve, um, as far as all of the specifics of the characters and what they're doing, and and the whole all of the concepts. It's a hard read. It's an exhausting read. There's a lot of information to absorb, but I thought it was great. Like really good. Nice. And I know that you didn't feel the same way. I really don't care. No, it's not that. I think part of it is that I haven't. I think a big part of it when I hear you talk about these books now is that 
you dip in and out, which is cool. And so these things feel a lot more novel to you than oh, they definitely. do to me who read. I mean, I've read every X book, you know, certainly it, it haven't stopped since the Hickman relaunch. And so like a lot of the concepts that you're seeing as, as novel are things that have been in the undercurrent of all the books in some way, shape or form for a while now. So like, you know, all the, all the, the, the Iraqi cultural stuff and, uh, I mean that is not that's not new to this. This is that's this is like so when I'm reading this, this is like oh yeah. I mean this isn't aha. This is right. This is uh, like oh yeah, okay. right. So that that's part of it is like none of this is is new to me. I that like all of these concepts. I mean the the idea of these of these gods is 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 new in in somewhat. But but this idea that that uh, of the Iraqi culture in the in the arena and that everybody. Uh, it's fight to the death and that's how they said all of their disputes. I mean, all that is well established. Like I said, I mean, there've been several books dedicated to, uh, including the last event up to that very nature, which is, you know, about how basically, uh, it's a pain in the ass to, uh, to, to be in charge of all these people because it's a never ending fight for your life and your position. Uh, um, so yeah, yeah, well, yeah so, I, I haven't but, absorbed it all or, or no, even, no, right. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like, so I do think this stuff is cool. It's just that for me, this is a continuation of a lot of these ideas versus it being, uh, breaking new new ground. I think that's a part of it. Uh, and I and I, I've always had a soft spot for David because uh, David Holler. You mean Legion? Legion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Charlie's, you know, great. Well, you, you know, your your opinion may may vary, but for the most part, highly capable, sometimes great leader, not so wonderful a father, right? So I think David has legitimate beefs with pop and the the sequence where he just kind of like strolls into the quiet council and tells <laughs> and tells Doug Ramsey and Warlock like yeah you know Magus is dead and this is just how it is um and Nimrod did it and and Warlock's just like he's grief stricken but I don't know if he actually should well maybe he should be because his father just died but for the most part, again, like Charlie to David, Magus hasn't always been, you know, a father figure to, to Warlock. And I thought the 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 juxtaposition of this similar circumstance to the interplay between David and and Charlie or Professor X was great. Uh, conceptually, there's stuff going on here that goes beyond, you know, just character interaction. Right? There's deeper concerns here. And I, I, I just think Spurrier just plotted the shit out of this book. I like it a lot. What about you, Dap? You read it too. It's on your list. It is on my list. Um, I, the art's fantastic. It's a Kurt book, so I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. However, um, I, I read it to kind of just to go along because I am way behind uh, in my post-Hickman X-Men and actually leading up to Hickman's departure. But uh, So there are a ton of characters that uh, I know virtually nothing about. Um, never heard of Forget-Me-Not and really in kind of no rush to see him again. Um I think he's neat. I think I think it's neat, but after a couple pages, I, the, the the joke worth in for me. 
Well, um, if you can get I Kane, get it. I Kane get Marco it. to keep saying, wait, who are you? Well, I know, I know. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, same thing with, you know, the, the Oberon-looking dude who's just there like, you know, hey, what about my wife? It's like, who are you again? <laughs> um, Maybe I'm an easy mark. I think that's funny. <laughs> so it's, it's and then and he walks, he strolls in, and everybody's like, well, who the hell are you? As I can see you again. It's like, yeah, never so mind. It's, <laughs> it's so, but you know, I, it, it, it's cool seeing Doctor Nemesis again. I just it, oh, yeah. there was, I was, I was basically just it. It really what was neat about it is that it brought me back to the early '80s, picking up a comic book for the first time, issue hundred and something, and I have no idea what the hell I'm stepping into. And and that kind of was, even though it's the first issue, that kind of felt what this was like. It's like I don't know, I know, I know some of you don't know most of you. But obviously the settings are there, like the Quiet Council and the whole setup and 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 the whole um, Hickman-esque info dump throughout. It, it's there's there was definitely a sense of familiarity. So I was I was just trying to kind of get my bearings more than anything else. Um, so it's something that I probably will reread once I catch up on other things leading up to this, so that I won't um, feel as lost because I I could try to reread it now and and it it probably wouldn't. Um, stick any better so um i just wanted to kind of participate or 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 be involved more or less just to find out what uh what i may um be missing but it's uh but no i i I thought it looks great and and spurrier knows how to write a story so i i um i think there's a lot in here to kind of take in um hello it's probably bit off more than um, than I could chew with this. Uh, we have a guest. Yeah, it, really interrupt. That's cool. Yeah, he's what he does. Impromptu guest. <laughs> it's it's Tony Fleece, everybody. Everybody. Hey, well, what's you, here? You brought me in right in the middle of David talking about something. What were you talking about? No, it wasn't at the middle. It's the end. It was at the end. We we were talking about Legion of X number one. Oh, I flipped through that today. It looked good. Yeah. I heard something about you. Yeah. What's the stuff that you're going to be at Heroes? So, you may remember last week I was on the show with you guys. Really? And uh, you asked if I was going to Heroes, and I said no. I was reclaimed. They never invited me. Uh, They don't know about me. And then while I was on the phone with you guys, or the Skype, you know we record this on Skype, uh, I got an email from heroes con that they wanted me to come but it was actually from from the hero initiative so the hero initiative is bringing me out uh and trish uh it's gonna be the first time we're doing a show together oh snap so it's gonna be cool it's gonna be nuts love it dude so you're gonna reserve some time to be with us hopefully yeah i mean the plan is to just hang out with you guys uh the whole time awesome dude Dude, you you just made my fucking month bananas dude yeah super bananas like I, I'm compiling a list. I, I'm. I told uh, the wifey that I'm starting to get the agita about not having enough time to give everybody yeah. the time that they <laughs> so richly deserve. Well, don't worry about me. I feel like oh, I'm not worried about you at all. Like that's don't worry <laughs> well, about that. Well, wait a minute. You're the fourth chair. Where we go, you go. That's okay. the plan. I hope. 
Well, he's Let's, big time. He's going to get – Hero's going to probably have him do some private dinner. Uh, no, that's – yeah, that's good. Big, I mean, like, he's got to take care of business. Thing, that's like, completely know. fine. But at the, on the downtime, I would expect him hopefully to, to throw a bone <laughs> – see what I did uh, – our way. You need to get like an EOC wing of the Western Western Bar. Just like just have like a little area that just for EOC. Reason I'm going is because you guys are going. Like got shows in a row, and I I would have said I that's impossible. I have work to do and stuff, but I just got off the phone with you guys, and you were talking about how cool it was going to be, and I was like that does sound like fun. So I'm literally only going to hang out. Love it. And then hopefully you know make a ton of money in the meantime while I'm there. But mostly just hang out. Can't wait. I don't know why I love you, but I do. <laughs> well, I'll take that. Yeah. Same. Made my damn day. Month. Good. Here we go. Awesome. So you heard it here first after everybody read it on the Slack and we got the message last week. But what? everybody else, you heard it here first. Yeah, but it's always good to hear it from the horse's mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you're hearing Trish here first for real. Like, I don't think that's out in the world. Still not on there, yeah. That's well, you just—I mean, you—you you love spilling the tea, so it's all good. That, that's fine. That's true. I am honest to a fault. Yes. Awesome. Uh, well, well, I am going to the theater. Oh, excuse uh, me. Say, wait, the theater, or are you going to see a movie? No, the theater. R E. Wow. What do you say? Oh, what are you going to go see? Uh, some friends of mine do a, a production of uh, Star Wars where they do it in thirty minutes, the whole Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> uh, that's they're, amazing. They're doing. For celebration this weekend, but they're doing like, practice shows here in Burbank at a theater uh, this week. So I came out to see it. Good for you. Well, go Star enjoy. Wars. Yeah. Thanks for coming, my man. And yeah. um, uh, I, I'm happy to be able to break the news to you uh, in person. Nice. Breaking news. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> That's right. You're roving reporter. I'm in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. All Love right. you. Enjoy the show. Enjoy. The show. Enjoy. Bye. See you next Bye. month. Legit made my my. He wanted to be on. He wanted to be on before eight hundred. He was on twice. Yeah. In two weeks. He'll probably be on for eight hundred too. Whatever. There's always room for Tony. What the hell am I saying? Like I don't. I don't usually feel this way about people. But this we guy. Know. This guy. What's the deal? It just feels right. I should ask him to marry me. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Now that I think about it, the way of X book that you guys loved—that was also by Spurrier. You just like the Cy Spurrier Nightcrawler X stuff. Is what it comes down to. Okay. This is the continuation of that. Of that, basically. Yeah. 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 Of course it is. Yeah. There was there something go. in between it, though, right? There was the way of X, and there's this, but there was something else. I thought. After Way of X ended. I cherry pick the X books, obviously. Marauders is great. Um, this is one of the ones that I will read in its entirety because I think it's 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 worthwhile. It's I think it, Way of X only lasted five issues, right? I think. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But um, you know, as I, I enjoy when um, a writer forces me to alter my perception in accord to the manner by which 
his art is presented. Like there's so much information here that, it, you know, it, it's not your average big two comic. You can't just go flipping pages and, and, and buzz your way through a 20 whatever page comic in like 10 minutes. You have to slow down and read this. Um, and there's, I didn't notice a whole lot of, of, of large panels in this either. So the, the form follows the function that he, the, the creative team is, is pretty much demanding silently that you slow the hell down, pay attention and absorb. That's why I liked it a lot. It's a demanding, it's a demanding book. I, I will give it that. Uh, but, but. I need to be slapped around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else do we have? There's something else we all read, right? No. Uh, yes. No. Yes, there is. Nope. Uh, written by Scott Snyder. Penciled by... Oh. <laughs> penciled by Papi Capullo. Embellished by Jonathan Glapion and color art by Dave McCaig. It's We Have Demons, numbers one and two. Jason talked about this um, a while back. Um, uh, Jason, if you can find the episode in which you talked about it, that'd be great in the interim. Um, I will say that um, I started out disliking this series very much. The uh, scientific grounding of good and evil turned me off initially. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. But um, basically what Snyder does in this series is he um, grounds good and evil in scientific terms um, as elements. they were the good element, which they call Halo, was there at the Big Bang. It's the lightest element of them all, atomic number zero. Uh, Horn, which is the evil of the pair, um, has an atomic number greater than 600, which I'm guessing it means that it has the atomic number of 666. Right? That's what... I would guess that, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, these things, these elements seeded the earth, the the horn in greater numbers than the halo, of course, and it just steered mankind accordingly. Um, but there is coming a an asteroid that's just loaded with with halo, the element, uh, the good element. And uh, the the people within this book, one of which has has died. Uh, a proponent of good who um, he was a pastor and uh, unknown to his daughter would go and extinguish evil in his spare time. Uh, I, I, so the, 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 the main crux of the, the, the series is this young lady named Lamb finds out her father was something other than he was to her and she is ushered into this group that is attempting to extinguish evil using sacred blades crafted of the halo element and she gets one and there's very very few there was once a thousand now there's only a a very scant amount 
One of their their own is a demon who has a uh, literal halo, and he he tries to to uh, cast aside his his horn his demonic uh, ways and fight the good fight. I thought it was I like that Snyder has grounded uh, good and evil, uh, given it a foundation in 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 science. That's it's rare. Usually, you know, you hear the mystical mumbo jumbo, or you're presented with some kind of kakamimi, um, uh, Judeo Christian underpinnings to to good and evil. Where this is just like, yeah, it's science. Good is is an element, and so is evil. And and if if you're you're pockmarked with the the whatever element, then you follow the path of of either good or evil. I thought that was neat. Did you guys feel the same way, or did you find that trite? No, I thought it was uh, neat. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I mean, we all like to take uh, pot shots at Snyder now and then. But uh, in this series, I think he's doing something that's very calculated, mm-hmm. very very cunning. Because in the first issue, uh, Lamb is, is um, recounting events shared with her father. And she's like, at one point, uh, she's young, uh, under 21, under 18 even. And she says, come on, Dad, we all have demons. And he turns to her, and this is literal, from the book. He says, don't you ever fucking say that again. And I thought, dude, she's young. Like, why you got to use that kind of language? Um, But it's foreshadowing. It's brilliant foreshadowing. Because something happens at the end of the second issue, you're like, oh, makes sense now. Because during the first issue, all the demons are potty mouth, as they, sh- as they should be. I mean, if, if you are a proponent of evil, one of, uh, one of your, your weapons is, is, is uh, sacrilege, shattering norms, uh, transgressing, right? So you would use foul language. That I would expect that from a demon. And they do. The, the demons in this, this series, they use very, very colorful language. So it's it's not for kids. But the fact that this Cash Cullen, who was a pastor and, and fought against evil, used foul language in the presence of a minor wasn't a slip-up. It was part of his uh character moving forward in the series and that 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 happens at the end of the second issue so i won't spill the beans but let's just say it's not good um but that said i don't think snyder pushes it far enough because poppy capullo being the maestro that he is has a way of rendering the female form in very sensual ways and he applies that to Lamb, who's a young girl. And you would think that demons, whose very existence is is based on on shattering norms and and, uh, defiling the things that good uh, holds sacred, they would want to defile everything around them. Man, woman you know, vegetable, animal, it didn't matter. These things should be like, in my opinion, they should be trying to despoil everything around them. 
And there's a sequence where Gus, the resident demon turned good, um, loses his halo. And he just spouts, you know, obscenities. It doesn't really do anything, really. Where he has in his hands a, a nubile young lady, you would think that he, you know, Lamb would be sans clothing immediately, right? But it doesn't happen that way. Like, I guess what I'm saying, long story short, is I don't think Snyder's embracing the totality of evil in this book. Demons are nasty, but they're violator in Spawn nasty, right? Like, they're they're cinema nasty. They're not really... They're not really demons in my mind. They're just monsters. If they were demons, this book would be NC-17. It would be shipped in a poly bag, right? So I don't think he's going the distance in detailing true evil is what I'm saying. Do you guys feel the same way? It, it's it's like um, uh, the, uh, the, the Saturday afternoon serials that ran in the in the golden age of cinema you know i mean oh evil's bad you know but he's not he's not being super explicit and i think he needs to be when he's detailing demons who use foul language that's great but foul language is just tip of the iceberg with with true true evil they'd be squashing babies and and you know sticking their dick in 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 the refrigerator like they're demons they're nasty they, they should be doing things that would make you step back and be like Wait, this is too much. This book should be explicitly transgressive, but it's not. It's it's action, uh, summer blockbuster action with an evil slant to it, I think. Yeah, he's still a superhero. Right. right. So, I he's mean, it's, he's it's, not he's evil not, enough. He's, he right, should be, right. like when the demons poured through the windshield of the plane and they killed the guy, they wouldn't just kill the guy. There'd, there'd be a demon, like in, in Bloodsucking Freaks, there'd be a demon screwing his his skull. You know what I mean? Like, get evil, get nasty, get re- make my jaw hit the floor with the depravity in this book. Then you're talking evil. But, you know, just killing the guy, that's that's walking dead. Like, whatever. Right, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I mean your expectations are probably different than what most people would consider to be demonic and evil. But we're we're talking elemental evil. Like, black and white. If you're going to have good, which is honest and forthright and and all of that stuff, your evil better be pretty goddamn evil. Right? And this is not. This is just nasty creatures ripping people apart. That's not necessarily evil. Right animals do that i don't know I, I just i just think he should go there if you if we have demons you better go there and this book doesn't i think it falls short but i think the art's great but that's not i mean of course right it's poppy capullo the art is just phenomenal i don't i get the feeling that jason didn't enjoy this as much as i did no but what i'll say is i i didn't give it an ounce as much thought on the depth of it I, I I read this Night of the Ghouls and Clear all in one sitting. Uh, oh, and you had asked me it's episode seven sixty nine. Thank you. Um, yeah, and and I because it was all part of his new Comicsology partnership where he was launching all these new titles, and I yeah I just didn't I just didn't give it the depth of thought you have clearly. I I I I kind of summed it up by saying 
first of all, I said it was my least favorite of the three. Um, but I also said that I, I think that it was largely um, worth checking out because of the Kapula art and that uh, the story just didn't seem very deep to me. So I, I think you, you're, you're either searching for or finding a level of depth to it and nuance that I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get in my read throw. Oh, I think it has both of those. Yeah, I'm not I, saying I, you're wrong. I just didn't come away with it. I, right? I, I, no, I I think yeah. I think Snyder's as as we've learned through um, consuming virtually all of his work that he does have on occasion uh, he is nuanced, and I think this is one of the books. Contrary to the premise, which is demons ripping people apart, I th- I think there's a subtlety to this book that is not immediately apparent, as in that scene where Cash is talking to his daughter. That's not a throwaway line. That's very important. And he he buries it in the first issue, and it doesn't come to fruition until the end of issue two, which is, I think, asking a lot from your readers to remember, you know, because comic fans consume a lot of stuff (laughs) on a monthly basis. So the fact that I read one and two in tandem worked in my favor in this instance. But, uh, no, I think this series is, is great. It has the potential to really be uh, memorable, but I just wish it would tip. I wish it would jump over that line and really start getting nasty. I think. I mean, it's a comicsology original. They can do whatever they want. I think it should really be something that would, you know, have the 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 Moms for America organization just like picketing comicsology. This book should be super nasty. Well, that's never going to happen on an. And, right, and it's not. It it's you know, it it's extreme to a very very small extent. But there must be something going on with Capullo in terms of him being slow, because, like I said, um, Night of the Ghoul, Clear, and We Have Demons were all the launch titles for Schneider's imprint, and Clear was a five issue series. It's complete. Night of the Ghoul was a six-issue series. It's complete. And We Have Demons has three issues out. So... Wait, number three came out? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So... Well, comicsology. It, it's... Oh, okay. It, yeah. Yeah. It's not... It doesn't... It's not concurrent with, with the Dark Horse schedule. Oh, you guys have... Oh, I, I didn't even... I forgot completely that there were even print, print versions yeah. of the set. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, okay. But I will yeah. say in the digital versions, you get a whole bunch of back matter that I don't think is in the comicsology one or the, the Dark Horse ones. I'm not entirely sure. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think this has a, 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 a good chance at being something that, that could be memorable. Just um, start pushing buttons. I, I also will say you're reminding me now that uh, – that, that I uh, the reason I didn't continue reading any of these titles is because they after the launch they did the the comicsology Amazon merge and it is just uh, yeah. it is like in it's it is an indecipherable puzzle of how to read stuff now yeah. that's on comicsology like that. like go to comicsology.com and search for it you can't find it you find and then if you find it it's treated like it's a book an ebook and then because I am Comixology Unlimited, it says, oh, you can read this for free because of Comixology Unlimited. But instead of clicking on that and then getting the book launched into my reader, it then sends it to my Kindle e-reader, even though I don't want it to go there. I want to read. And it's like, oh, you can it's the whole. It's just 
So until you talked about it tonight, I had forgotten these books existed. And now I do want to finish reading, especially since Clear and Night of the Ghoul have completed. Um, you know, I, I do want to finish reading them, but but it's it's already and as we sit here, it's frustrating me because it's not it, it's not like I should be able to just click on the book and then be able to start reading it. Like, it's crazy that that's not the way it is. It's like the like how do uh, man I, Amazon just I mean they're a phenomenal company obviously and they they they're, they're very innovative in a million ways but this was not it like yeah they did they did have somebody man the uh, there there was one one misstep uh, first page of the second issue um when we when 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 we see Gus and him going off um he's wearing his halo and obviously he can't do what he's doing if he's wearing his halo but when you catch up and you see how the events play out um lamb hadn't put the halo on when he's spouting all this nonsense so um artistic license but there was a little bit of a faux pas there and that's another thing that i like about the book that cash uh accepted gus yep. as as a friend even though um lamb only has one arm Be, i won't spoil it but gus is involved and um so even though he well screw it uh, gus bit off lamb's arm so even though and, and so cash considers gus a friend even though he Permanently. Oh, from the elbow down, she doesn't have. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. but even on, even though he it. maimed he maimed his daughter, he still gives him the benefit of the doubt and is behind him all the way. Like you can beat this, you can you can you can tamp down the the evil. Come on, and and you're you know you're experiencing this this benevolence from Gus towards this demon when. You find out what happens in the, the the end of the second issue that he was doing the same thing all along, and I think that's awesome that uh, Snyder would calculate that to play out at the end of the second issue. When some people give issues, you know, one shot, you got one try to win me over, and if you don't, well, then you know, thank you very much for your efforts. I'll see you on the next project. But this one, I think. There's a lot of, of um, leeway. There's a lot of um, uh, Snyder just holding back and, and letting things ferment until he's ready for you to, to drink them, I guess, you know, is a way of saying it. And that's, that's nice to see that, that there's a, a creator with such confidence in the thing that he's created that he's not willing to give you the entire meal at once. Um, you got to wait for this part, and trust me, it'll be good. But when it's time, it's time. Thank you, Orson Welles. Um, no, nah, I like the series a lot, uh, it, but it's one of those things that you know. If this was illustrated by someone other than Poppy Capullo, would I like it as much? I don't know. I don't know. Capullo has a way of swaying me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I read Reborn, the entirety of it. And that wasn't all that great, but I stuck it out because it was Capullo. Right. Well, I will say that uh, Clear is Francis Manipul and uh, Night of the Ghouls is, is Francesco Francovia, and they both look amazing. Yeah, goes without saying, right? 
Yeah, I mean, but credit to Schneider for having the chops to bring really quality illustrators along with him for this ride. Like, I'm thinking this should be, like, Faust-level obscene. <laughs> I mean, it's not written by Tim Truman, though. It's Tim Vigil, but yeah. I mean, Tim Vigil, yes. rather, yeah, Tim Vigil. Tim Truman wouldn't be. Tim Vigil, but, yeah. Well, like Jason said, it's comicsology, and then it's going to be, you know, reproduced through Dark Horse, and they're all, they're not, they're not going that route. Yeah, you're not getting Faust. You're not getting Faust on Comicsology, right? And I don't want to be that guy, but Tim Vigil didn't write Faust either. David Quinn did, but anyway, no, no, I wasn't. But I'm saying <laughs> I was. That wasn't the point. The point was right. the, the kind of thing Tim Vigil would do. But right, but if you're talking about the evil at the foundation of existence, you better they better be pretty damn depraved. I mean, it's evil. It's it's the 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 yang to the yin like it's the polar I mean, we've opposite. We've already enough, uh, but Mephisto but then, or or, yeah, I mean, or, or Joker. Yeah. I mean, you know how many? But it, those it, are main. That doesn't count. Those are mainstream comics. They can only go so far. Well, this is a main. I mean, I think these, you're. These are mainstream. You're not, you're not thinking that this is a main. This is very much a mainstream comic. I mean, this yes. is this was Amazon's. This is, I think failed foray so far, but because of what the. But this was their attempt to become a mainstream high end comic producer. Right, and I am very demanding when 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 some you know when when a creator tells me this is evil, I already assume that man, this is going to go someplace because evil's pretty damn bad, right? It is the worst. As opposed to good, which is the best, right? So yeah. it, it 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 better go down those really deep tunnels of of depravity. But the, this only goes so far. So yeah, that's that's my baggage. Uh, otherwise, I think it's good. I just would like to see something really offensive in these pages. Mm-hmm. Then I'm behind you on the evil, right? Vince, right. how would you feel? If I told you that your boy read not one, <laughs> but two manga for this week. Well, I'm kind of jealous of one because I had it on my list and I cut it for budgetary reasons. And that's the food truck one. Yes. Well, yes. The 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 Crazy Food Truck Volume 1. By, uh, published here in the U.S. of A. by Viz, as I guess they're, I, mean, I guess that's it's always like your first guess if you're talking about new manga. Um, story and art by uh, uh, Rokuro Ogaki. And I don't, you know, listen, I'm not one to, to buy much manga, obviously, hence the joke, and, and I, I don't... Uh, He'll learn. Monic, stop! In the, wow, I was going to yell that. And the uh, and the, the, the that which I do read is is it, well I, I read all the Edo stuff but if it's if it's not it's generally because you've gushed about it or it's just getting huge buzz you know like a Pluto or Twentieth Century Boys or something so um, I have no idea what about this solicit made me order it but I just was it just was one of those serendipitous things I thought oh this looks fun. Let me give it a try. And I thought I did like the idea of getting it on the ground floor. Ground floor here in the U.S., right? The volume one in the U.S. Um, and and it's, it, is, it is exactly what the title suggests. It's, it's a story. It is, first of all, it's a post, post, post-apocalyptic setting. So, you yeah. know, that's a draw for me. I knew you'd love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically the story is of a, uh, a, a, a guy named Gordon. He is um, probably in his... 
fifties and he owns a food truck and he's driving around this apocalyptic wasteland looking for customers. And, uh, as he jokes, he has more sandwiches than customers cause it's <laughs> post apocalyptic <laughs> and, and he, uh, but, but the cool thing is, is that like manga is one to do since the f- story's about a food truck, when he is talking about the food or making the food, it is a thing. Like it is just intricate details about the ingredients and how they mix together to form the the sandwich that he's making and the right kind of bread and the slicing and the knife work and uh, and it's 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 just incredibly important in the moment. But then on the flip side, as my dude is driving to a place he hopes to find customers, he nearly crashes because there's something in the middle of the road and it's a it's a body bag. And he unzips the body bag, and there is a drop-dead, gorgeous, completely naked young woman, who we later find out is named Arissa. And uh, she's in this bag, but she's not dead. And she comes to, and he uh, takes her in his truck because he doesn't want to leave her there. And you know, it's like, but he's like, put on some damn clothes. And she's like, I don't want to. It's hot. Like, what's wrong um, with you? Yeah. Fan service. I mean, clear fan service. She's naked through most of the book, but but he's always like, put on some damn clothes. Like, it's not suitable to not be in clothes. Um, but she's not clearly normal, and she's hungry, and so he makes her a sandwich, and she loves it. But then, like, she eats him out of house and home. She eats everything. Like, like more than a human being should be able to eat. So you, you get to wondering, like, something's amiss here. Um, and so he's like, well, we gotta go get more food. So they they drive up to this seemingly it looks like a sand dune but apparently it's the sand sea because it's where the sea used to be but now it's just sand but but creatures have adapted so he goes sand fishing and he throws a lure into the sand and he pulls out a squid and he's like i can make i can make squid with this but she's like let me try and so she throws the lure in and he he goes off foraging for some other things when he comes back she's landed this gigantic monstrous squid the size of like a (laughs) tank and um and you know like and and so they have squid for days and he makes a million different squid dishes and she adores eating each and every one of them and uh it's just like it's it's a silly ridiculous book and and we through in this volume we 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 find out a little bit about who she is there are people trying to get her she they 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 want to they want to recapture her she was property of 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 uh, of these uh, and then we 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 realize that uh, that our man Gordon isn't just a chef because as they're chasing him down, he hits buttons and suddenly the the food truck sprouts a mach- a missile launcher and it oh, has all kinds it. of yeah. So it's like Shit. there's more there's more to Gordon than meets the eye and 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 clearly he's not just a short order cook. So um, and it, it's really a setup volume. I mean it's 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 getting to know Gordon and and Arissa and the ne'er do wells and uh, their capabilities. And uh, it just starts setting up what I assume is going to be a long-running adventure for these two and, and probably others. Um, I thought that uh, that uh, Ogaki's art was was awesome. It was it was uh, emotive and and wild and yes, tit- titillating. I mean, as I said, she, there's fan service. She is naked through a lot of it. Now it's not like you know, it's like anytime. I mean, she's it's you know, she's not it's not she's not spread eagle and you know finger herself it's not sexual and wow <laughs> you have no, demons 
know, you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's, you know, it's it, it is it is titillating, not 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 uh, erotic. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, ordered. Yeah, no, it's it was great, and and I don't know, I don't know how many volumes of this exist in in Japan. I don't know how long it's been coming out, but um, but I do know that I absolutely am going to keep reading this. I, I thought it was terrific, uh, oh, awesome. really a lot of fun, totally up my alley. So so big thumbs up for Crazy Food Truck, and then the other is a one and done, which is the reason I bought it because. Uh, one of my problems with with manga is that it can be daunting, right? If you if you like something, you kind of in for the long haul, yeah. Um, which is fine, but but I don't. I, I would have to basically stop reading Western comics if I was going to keep up with as many of these manga as uh, you seem to be able to. Um, but so this one was a Death Note short stories, um, also published by Viz, and um, and by the by the original creators of Death Note. Uh, um, uh, Subumi Oba is the writer, and uh, Takeshi Obata is the artist. Same same creative team behind Death Note that uh, was the wildly successful manga series that uh, I think ended in 2006, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, has been turned into um, a not-so-great anime, uh, also uh, adapted here in the U.S. for Netflix, uh, starring my man Lakeith Stanfield uh, of Atlanta fame. But... Um, I really enjoy. I, Vince kind of saw it. I, as I recall, you weren't a huge fan of Death Note. Um, maybe am I right with about not, that? Not a huge fan. I enjoyed it, but I, yeah, I think the 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 accolades are a bit overblown. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that one or the other because I haven't read enough manga, but I certainly did enjoy Death Note, um, uh, and I had read it all. So this was just a chance to revisit that. And um, what it is is it is a collection of all the other death note stories they did that didn't fit into the original volume that they did subsequent so like one-offs um and in different publications or or standalone comics and um so it's it's kind of the culmination of that but the thing i have to say that's cool about it because again this was all stuff that was previously published over the last say 10 years is uh it's really well timed and there's an intro by um there's an introductory uh passage by oba that kind of discusses this this stuff is totally poignant having come in dealing with a pandemic because this all, all these stories take place after the original death note. So after, uh, Kira and L have, uh, have gone to, you know, gone to the great beyond and it's the aftermath of that. And there's some really clever, uh, clever stories in here. Like in one, in one story, um, probably my favorite of it. Uh, the current holder of the death note, uh, decides to auction it off on the internet and and the bidding starts going crazy and then governments start getting involved because of course they would if there was legitimately if if, if in our world there was a book that allowed you to kill anybody you wanted by simply writing their names in a book uh with as much detail and specificity as you wanted about how they die and who and who uh well of course the governments would want it and so the governments start bidding on it and a who do you think wins it? United States. Yes. The United States wins it for, get ready, $10 trillion. That's a lot of money. And the holder of the note says that when you pay it off, you're to split the $10 trillion evenly among all Japanese citizens 60 and under. Hmm. And so he basically trades the death note to the U.S. for uh, making Japan... Jet debt free and its citizenry generationally wealthy. 
Um, so I thought that was clever. And there's another one where um, someone has the Death Note and is killing people, but is only killing uh, senior citizens. And uh, they're doing it by, apparently for eugenic purposes because Japan, like many civilized countries, has uh, an aging problem, right? Too many, too many old people, not enough young people. And that has a pretty negative has, – has very significant negative economic effects. And um, and like at one of the points, the, the new L, like the person that kind of took over for L as the grand investigator, is talking about how the way that uh, that 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 uh, that that Kira used the death note just wouldn't be feasible in today's day and age because of cameras everywhere and the Internet. Like it just the, the, the cleverness with which Kira used it would have been easily uncovered and would have been much easier to track them down now. And so the new wielders have to be creative in their own ways and use it in different ways. So just I thought it was very clever, very timely, um, you know, um, and, and again, it sounds like I was probably more of a fan of Death Note than, than you, probably because, in part because I haven't read as much manga, so I don't have as much to, to like compare the quality of it against other things that may be of a higher quality but lesser popular here. Um, so, I, yeah, I dug it a lot, and I loved that it was one and done. Like, I read it today, and then I'm good, and I had my last little revisit with Death Note, but I don't. it's not like I have to commit back to another, you know, 10, 15 volumes like I did the first time. So Right. I, you know, for the record, I enjoyed Death Note, but I just thought that the the amount of um, uh, praise was not in proportion to actually what it was. It was sure, good. I get you. You know, it was you. good, but mm-hmm. I mean, One Piece, come on, whatever. Right? Yeah, I mean, they're obviously they're very different, right? But sure. But yes. Yeah. So there you have it. Look at you reading Taking the manga. The Manta F manga guy. Yeah, I doubt that, but nice try. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, yeah. You know, Vince next week, Dab's going to come in with like six manga. That oh, yeah. He's going to be like, I know it's the book of the month, but. <sighs> Kaiju number eight, volume two, bitches. Plus more. That's funny. I read all of Akira again. Uh, well, that I'd be down for. I you guys have one up on me in that I don't own the, the Akira box set. Mm. Yeah. Maybe you should look for that cheap skate. Uh, no, I am kind of cheap. Yeah, yeah. But Jason, I think you did with those two volumes uh, secure our very first Viz Orama. Nice. If, if memory memory serves, yeah. Viz Orama. All right. Hey, this has been fun, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. If you would like to do it again, we'll be back next week. But we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and. Please give it up resoundingly for our patrons because they are there for us each and every week. They make this possible for you. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one one, no apostrophe, images, audios, videos, polls, Slack channel, 24-7. Where else are you going to get this? Nowhere. Uh, In your travels, I don't know if I have anything to talk about. What? Yeah. Uh, but be, I spent a lot of time on Buzz Sawyer only because the material demands it. It's that good. Um, but I'm going to let David do his In Your Travels. And if he talks about something that I've read, maybe I'll add to it. But I'll just say uh, In Your Travels, get yourself a hero's ticket. Because Tony's going to be there, yo. It's going to be lit. Yeah, forget us. Now go see Tony. You know I'm going for you. But the fact that Tony's going... I'm telling everybody else. Oh, are you? The listeners. I didn't get the Cliffs notes. 
even though we're going to, you know, yeah, we think everybody's coming for us, but now you have a real reason. Now you can come see Tony. Yeah, I'm just excited to be around Tony. It's been a while since we've been around him. And yes, we are meeting many of the people um, who, with whom we talk, we speak, we type every single day. That's awesome. I'm, I can't wait for it. But Tony is that bloated, highly sugary cherry on top of everything. That's so true. You, yeah, in your travels, just uh, yeah, do stuff. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand it over to Dap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do this. Uh, this way, folks can hear Vince a little bit, regardless of what he's gonna say about it. So, um, the. Uh, Milestone Universe has expanded. We had the uh, the first the first launch with um, Icon and Rocket hardware and static, and um, the second volley includes Blood Syndicate uh, season one, which um, which I read. But I'm going to say, in your travels, give this a shot because if you are not familiar with the milestone universe uh in any of its iterations uh this is something that um you don't really need to be too concerned about um this is uh this is beyond dakota city and milestone you can discover earth m this is a new book called duo uh the first issue uh written by greg pock uh illustrated pencils by koi fam Inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Chris Sotomayor, who seems to be doing most of the colors on the Milestone books. But um, uh, letters, letters by uh, Janice Chang. This was um, based on a little bit of previews that we saw through various zeros and one shots that uh, were teasing Milestone way back when. Uh, we got a little bit of insight of um, David and Kelly. Uh, a couple that uh, is engaged and um, they are um, they're very cute together they're, they're adults very smart they're scientists but uh, they're that um, they have a kind of relationship where they finish each other's sentences they know exactly what the other is thinking uh, so cute bordering on annoying if you're in their vicinity and, and having a trying to have a conversation with them but um they are they are in love and they um i mentioned they were scientists because they basically they, they want to heal the world they want to make the world a better place they want to help people uh so they have um they have nanobots they they they, they have um they've the, the nanobots are able to um they've been developed and trained through generations over the years um, they identify any injured section of the target organism, insert themselves into individual cells, and basically um, make it whole, regrow, um, put it back to the way it was. And they bring their invention or inventions to uh, Dr. Marius Chung, who's the director of uh, the Healerist New Research Initiative. Um, and he is, uh, he, he doesn't, he comes across as somebody who you think might actually be looking out for, we know better, 
because we know how stories go. But he, he's he's trying to be um, polite and politically correct, and and he's like, uh, basically, you know, you two are too close to this. Um, you know, you're uh, you've you've um, you kind of have a. Uh, the, he confronts them and says, you know, you want to put the bots in your brains. Um, and, and Kelly says, yeah, a mind to machine link. And, and he's like, you know, so it'll, it'll, it, it, it will, you know, transfer information, sensations, emotions, thoughts. Uh, you'll have a mental connection between humans and you'll be able to heal them of every affliction. Um, theoretically giving their virtual immortality. Um, so he basically is thinking that you know these kids are a little self-important and um and he tries to do the right thing every day uh but i guarantee you that if you knew my every passing thought and impulse you'd most certainly find a reason to hate my guts so no i'm not going to fund your project however i'm more than happy to buy out your research for the tidy sum of one billion dollars um and they say no and that's where we kind of get into some trouble, and um, and and a the real short version of this is a fire breaks out in their home. Um, David is basically being burned alive. Um, Kelly tries to stop it. Um, screen goes black. David wakes up in a hospital bed basically healed kelly's nowhere to be found um no idea where she is but here's her engagement ring uh actually we found a skull these are her dental records they match um but he keeps hearing a screaming in his head uh, which again the title of the series is duo um they're basically sharing a body and and i'm not going to um there's more to it, and, and I think you should uh, read it for yourself to find out how things go. Um, I really liked Koi's art. There were very, very um, slight shades of uh, The Second Life of Dr. Mirage, the old Valiant book from um, from the 90s. Not so much visually, although uh, Koi's art does look a little bit like Bernard Chang from back then. But the whole uh, the whole aspect of the um, of the spouses and and the uh, and and one no longer in the physical plane, um, even the kind of ski suit type outfit uh, was very reminiscent to me of that series. But this was and, and then you get to the last page. The cliffhanger is really where uh, I want to see where we're going here because we're introduced to a whole bunch of characters. And one and the reason why I said that if, if you're not familiar with Milestone is that this doesn't take place uh, in in Dakota. It, it's it's in California. So, if again, there's no real connection. You wouldn't know this had anything to do with the Milestone universe um, except for the fact that, you know, it says, it mentions Dakota City and Milestone on the cover. Um but as far as the first issue goes, I, I dug it a lot. And I, as with most Milestone books, I'm going to give it a very um, long leash to see where it may be going, especially since, for the most part, uh, the season ones all seem to be minis. I don't think this is listed. I don't think Duo is listed 
as a limited series. Uh, it seems to be an ongoing. I, it, at least it, it seems feels to me like it's written that way. Um, but I I enjoyed it a lot. I, I think uh, we're familiar with Greg Pak. We know what he can do. Uh, this is a different take. This isn't, you know, Amadeus Cho. This isn't, uh, this isn't uh, Mighty Avengers or anything like that. It, it's, it's a different thing altogether. Um, so I am really interested, and and I look forward to seeing where it's going. So yeah, in your travels, I would recommend checking out Duo Number One. Vince, you have anything to add there before I jump in? No, I'm just going to let. Uh, Mr. Price's words uh, lay where they are. Nice. Uh, in your travels, y'all know I, uh, you know, I rep for Chibute. That's my dog. Yep. Got the Moby Dick. Got the Alone. Got the Park Bench. All totally badass. Which is why, when I saw this book solicited in previews, I ordered it sight unseen because it's like well, Chibute. Yep. Chibute. Yellow and it's cat. New York, and it's New York, so I, I had to get it. Well, so that was a plus for you. Right. Yellow Cab, um, based on a novel by Benoit Cohen. So this is Chabute turning a graphic novel, adapting a graphic novel from a a novel that came out a few years ago um, uh, by um, Benoit Cohen, who uh, I guess, as the story goes, was a uh, fairly successful. Um, television and uh, and film uh, person in France, and he um, he grew uh, tired. He felt uninspired. He was like, I he was just mid forties. He was in, I think forty six, and he's like, I don't I don't I don't know what to, to do with my life. It's just uh, like, yeah, I'm successful, and and but I just don't feel any inspiration anymore. And so he gets the idea to go to the United States to New York City and become a yellow cab driver to find inspiration. And this is true. He actually did this and he wrote a book about it. Um, and so Chibute adapts that. And uh, I will say that as I was reading this, I thought, well, I don't, I don't recall if Vince is a huge fan of Chibute, but I think that of all the books that I've read by him, Vince would probably love this one because it is a uh, unrelenting and unapologetic love letter to, uh, to New York City. Nice. And uh, we know how much you love and romanticize the city itself as like an organic, as an organism. Yes. Um, I, I, that, for, unfortunately for me, the book suffers for that because uh, having worked the entirety of my professional career in New York City, um, I would be fine never setting foot in the place again. Jesus. Uh, so, so, like, this book is about things I don't care about in the least i have no romantic view of being a cab driver it seems like a god-awful job um with no redeeming qualities and i think even further felt odd to read this book now because we live in a world of ubers and lifts so like the first half of the book is all about the stuff that uh benoit has to go through to become a cab driver right moving the states he has to take a all kinds of driving tests. He has to take all kinds of uh, uh, of written tests about the driving, get his medallion, find the person to share his medallion with. The whole thing. It's a, it's a, and 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 like I said, half the book is is about that and having to figure it on the fly. All the all the, the difficulties of becoming a cab driver. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, damn, dude, if you just waited another year or two, you could have just been a Lyft driver or, or and gotten the same experiences. Um, 
And and then the second half is what I felt the whole book was going to be about, which is the, is Benoit, um, you know, finding inspiration from the 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 cadre of characters that he drives around and 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 the the interactions he has with them, ranging from them completely ignoring him and treating him like a second class citizen to people giving him engaging conversations, and and then um, he finds inspiration in the things he sees in the cities he's driving from the food vendors to wild and crazy sites that you wouldn't expect to crime to everything. Right. So, um, but like I said, I think because I don't like New York is not mysterious to me. It's not romantic. Like I know all of this stuff. I've lived it. I've seen it all. It's, it's like, it's just very real to me. Um, I was completely flaccid from this book. Like, like of all the Chibute books I've read, this is like, doesn't hold a candle to the others in any way, shape or form for me. But again, I suspect that's because the subject matter is something I just have absolute saltpeter for. Whereas if you find New York intriguing, if you find it compelling, if you find the idea of, of, of the interactions of a cab driver compelling, well, then you'll probably love this. Uh, I mean, it, it's extremely well done, and Jibute's art is always st- stunning. And I think he renders the city and its sights to perfection, as you would expect. But um, I, it's just not something that I care about. So, And shame, I mean, the book is exactly what it was supposed to be about, so it's not like I mean, it's not like it's not like they hoodwinked me, but uh, but I guess I thought because it was Chibute, his 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 storytelling would supersede my lack of interest in New York City, but it did not. This may be the anti Chibute book for me because I feel about his works like all of the works that I've read, Park Bench, all of them. The the way you feel about this one. Like, I think the art is brilliant, but the stories have really not done anything for me. Sure. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, may be the the uh, play against the norm in in where the, the subject matter is totally uh, captures my heart. And combined with Chabouté's amazing art, this may be the one to... Yeah, like I said, this is the one of all that of yeah. all that I've read. I, I think you would probably enjoy, and I'm sure Dap will enjoy it because he loves New York too. Uh, so your mileage definitely may vary. Now, I, I, see, see, love I don't think is a strong enough term for my feelings for New York City. No, I know. Yeah, yeah it goes way farther than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. There you go. Hey, everybody, uh, thank you for being here again. I said it before: Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter. Patreon.com, 11 o'clock comics. We'll be here next week waiting for you because we have lots of stuff to cover because next week is the book of the month. And what are we talking about next week, Dap? Wolverine, Epic Collection, Volume 1, Madripoor Nights. Yes. Safe to say the best iteration of Wolverine ever. Even over the Miller... Claremont miniseries, but save it for the show, Jason. I was going to say it's bold, but okay. Jason's nudging me. Uh, no, whatever. Um, so be here for that. And, you know, if you like the Wolverine stuff, um, I think we should say it this episode and reiterate it next episode. Volume 2 has been out of print for a long time. The Epic Collection that continues a bit of the Mad Report stuff. That is solicited in the coming previews. Not this month, next month. So be aware. If you like that, you're going to want the second volume. But we'll talk about it more next episode. In your travels, I need my 
percussion instrument right here in your travels. Say goodnight. That's a cork. That's a train. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If I had my druthers, what I would do is assemble an orchestra of instrumentalists that have never before played their instrument. Like I would give someone a bassoon who have, has never played a bassoon. I would give the, the trombonist a trombone, and they have never, ever tried a trombone. And I would compose music on the spot based on the orchestra. I think that would be a dream come true. Yes. But anyway, David. Good night. That's how I think. We cannot have silence in between the good night and no. the David. That's bullshit. <laughs> well, the train's already gone, so. Well, that's all right. We'll have something else. It's true. It's fart. True. Jason, fart. I'm command. Jason doesn't I fart. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> started eating, ever since I started eating healthy, I don't have gas. Ah, see, that's boring. <laughs> when I give you a hug, I bet you you'll fart. Of course you will. Yeah. Squeeze oh, nah. That is the David. worst ever thing you can say to me. <laughs> You're upset that I don't think you could squeeze a fart out of me? I could definitely squeeze a fart out of you. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. All right, everybody. We are done. Come back next time. We love you so much. Tell them, my men. Yeah, we really do. And, and uh, much love to all the patrons. Much love to all the listeners. Much love to all the fools that are coming to Charlotte in a month, because there's a lot of you. I might lose my virginity. Yes. Again. Again, yeah. Oh, never. I haven't. And all the love to the parents. Yes. It's a tough world Mm. out there. Yeah. Be good. Deeds, not words. Wow, look at you. That's written on my board at work. That's awesome. I like that. Credo? We're out of here. That's it for that one. <laughs>